is out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds, unbelievable. They wouldn't say die. That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome one and all to another week of They Came to Play. Well, there may not be any Aussie rules around, uh, but there are plenty of other sports for us to cover, and that's exactly what we'll do. Let's find out what my teammates have been up to over the last seven days. Hello, Tess Armstrong. Hello, Limo. Happy week to you. <laughs> and a very happy week to you too. Uh, Danny McGinley, hello, mate. Hello, yes. And uh, if everyone is uh, excited about the extra sound effects going on in this week's episode, it's because uh, there is construction happening right outside my bedroom window right now. Can you guys hear the crashes and bangs? Oh, no. I could hear I could hear something a bit earlier, uh, Danny, when we were chatting pre-pod. What's going on next door? Uh, looks like they're just shifting off some oh, – they're building a house, but they're uh, shifting off some old scrap metal and stuff onto a very rusty old truck. And uh, mm. the guy who's driving the truck looks like Shane Biggs, but uh, a bit too old. So that's about – that's all the footy news. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I love it. Uh, how's it going, Danny? Because uh, my neighbours are about to renovate the next door house and I haven't lived next to construction for quite a while. Like I've become a real princess about it. But this morning I woke up and there was this really weird noise and it was a drone video and they were like doing a, oh. posh, a posh kind of before drone video and I was like, surely if you're going to drone above people's houses, you should tell them. What are your thoughts about yeah, that? Yeah, that, yeah, that ain't happening in uh, in the northern suburbs here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of tradies screaming communication at each other from 100 metres away. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Well, but, mm. We noticed that when there was building down the road from us, uh, like four houses down, a five-storey apartment block went up a couple of years ago. It took them ages to build it. But, yeah, we noticed tradies just parked giant stupid utes in the street and yell at each other from seven in the morning. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah, really, we just loved every minute of it. But the good news is uh, we live in Fitzroy on a laneway and on the other side of the laneway another five-storey apartment block is going up and construction starts in January. So we're so excited about that. No, what a yeah. pain. Yeah, all of the all of the streets in my f- street, uh, all the houses in my street are just taking turns of uh, renovating, yeah. and uh, it's just yeah. it's great. It's a cul-de-sac, so uh, yeah. you know this is lots of fun. Anyway, welcome to griping about your neighbours. <laughs> they came to gripe. Yeah. If you've got any local council issues, please send them through. We'll happily um, discuss them on the show. Yeah, and we'd love to track the kind of progression of them, the highs and lows, you know, of the season of uh, renovations. So it should be good. Yeah, who, who who of the uh, builders have got the d- depressometer? I mean, I'm just looking at the rewiring. Doesn't look like the electricians are having much fun. I mean, yeah. not the drone people. They're succeeding. Oh yeah, yeah. They, They're uh, a lot of leaders at the moment. The traffic control people, maybe. Mm. Um, what I noticed is that they don't seem to care much about parking tickets. Your tradies, nah. Like they just park in a one hour zone all day. 
Oh, hey, do you, I'm going to give a public service announcement. Yeah. Uh, my wife discovered this through her job in the Victorian government. Yeah. There is a thing with the Melbourne City of Melbourne Council. Um, if you can go onto their website, I'm not exactly sure where it is, but there's free parking if you're going into the city to do Christmas shopping. And it's like for the entire, if you, you just have to print something out, put it on your dashboard, free parking for the whole month of December. And you get free parking. In fact, funny, my manager told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. It started on December 3 and, yeah, it goes right up until Christmas, I believe. Yeah, mm. it's like January 3. It's a full month. So get on right. board. Go park wherever you want. Oh, maybe I'll we, – we've got lunch in the city today, Danny. I might drive in and just park – Park on Burke Street Mall. And just I think so. Mall. That'd be great. Yeah, great. All right. Well, that's that's organised. Um, hey, let's uh, let's get on with today's pod. Should we should we start in Gloucestershire in England? Tess, would you like us to head there first? Yes, please. So obviously, without footy, I um, last week the Patreons will know I got heavily invested in a fruit and veg poll, which I'll update them about um, in the Patreon episode, but. I started watching this Netflix show called We Are The Champions, which I'm sure has been around for a million years, but I just don't watch things and now I have more time on my hands so I'm watching things finally. But it's kind of 30-minute episodes about really random sporting competitions around the world and the very first episode is set in Gloucestershire and it's about cheese rolling, the cheese Mm. rolling champions, the cheese rolling town really, which is completely and utterly like I was sucked in 100%. So it's this place called Cooper's Hill, which is quite a steep hill, not going to lie. They pop a a cheese wheel um, down and then all these people fling themselves down the hill hill at incredibly high speeds, uh, injuring themselves. They've been doing it, but the history is very um, unclear when it began because no one really knows. They just make it up as they go along, which is glorious. And Uh, um, Actually, Tess, can I just jump in? I have have watched this episode. One of my favourite bits on the history was where they asked so the whole dip, you know range of different characters in the show, and they ask each of them about the history, and they, how different their answers are are hilarious. Like one bloke says, "Yeah, I think it dates back to about 1945 or something," and then someone else goes, "Oh no, it's in 1800s." Then the next person's like, "Oh, it's hundreds of years old," and then there's that woman who goes, "Oh, it's thousands of years old." <laughs> thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> the history is definitely not settled on your on your cheese roll. No, there's a real market there if you're a historian to kind of get to the bottom of it. But anywho, also the funniest thing is that they essentially don't call it an official competition because if they call it an official competition, that it could never really go ahead because it's so utterly reckless. And um, <laughs> they just <laughs> just spot the local police officer is on, and he's like, "Well, you know, if only we knew who was putting it on, we could try and." Yeah. And then they're interviewing the woman who calls herself the organiser. I'm like, come on, guys. It's not that hard. I could work it out. Um, but it's so funny and it follows Flo, uh, this person called Florence early, um, who's won three, I think, and she's going for four. Or she's won two and she's going for three. Oh, she's, yeah, she's winning. She's won three and she's going for four. Cheese rolling championships and she would be the only woman that had ever done it. And so she gets, like, trained up and, you know, and it follows her progression to the cheese rolling championships. And I... Cannot describe to you how emotional I was towards the end. <laughs> I also cried hysterically last night, sobbing at the end of Home Alone. So there's like a lot going on. Um, but yeah, the cheese rolling incident—it was just glorious. And the next episode's about chili, a chili eating competition. So I'm fully pumped for that. 
Tess, yeah. can you confirm for me that the prize in the cheese rolling competition is you win the wheel of cheese? You win the wheel of cheese and you eat Correct. it. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, and actually it looks like really nice cheese. So, like, you know, there's that as a winning. Oh, like, it's just the tactics are so quite, are quite funny. Like there's another guy in the town called Chris who's won, like, the record amount um, for, for the men. He's won, he's won 21 races, I think they said. <laughs> Yeah. But the men every year the men have three races and the women have one. Yeah. So, so, he, so he's had years where he's won all three of the men's. And so right. the yeah the stats yeah. the stats are in his favour. Um, but he he's teaching Flo at some point about the kind of all right when you get to this little nook in the hill you should do this you're going to fall over then you spring back <laughs> up then you just and when you watch it because obviously like in shows things are slow motion but at one stage they show it just in regular speed. <laughs> It's just so funny. Like they're rocketing down the hill and there's just arms and legs everywhere and then there's people obviously at the beginning, at the end of the race that have realised once they've started that they that, that and they just get on their bum and try and scooch down the hill really slow. Yeah. <laughs> Still- yeah. It's, and I loved as well the side-by-side of that guy who's won it 21 times with because it's 100 metres, Danny, from the top to the bottom. Hundred. So okay. They do a side by side of him with Usain Bolt, like in a. Oh, hey, room. yeah, nice. And he actually does it in eight point two seconds down the hill. So he's so you could argue he's got the fastest time over a hundred. <laughs> but because it's not an official race, doesn't yeah. count. Ah, damn it, IOC. Uh, that, well, I got yeah. news for you guys about this. My wife has seen it live. Oh. <gasps> Whoa. She, she okay. went in, I think, 2006, uh, what got taken by uh, – she we were living in London at the time and, yeah, she got taken by some friends to to see it all happen. And uh, she'd seen footage on, on the very old YouTube back then. Do you remember when YouTube back around 2006? Yeah. It was, it was yeah. in black and white. You had to start it with a crank. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And she says the thing that surprises you once you see it live is how actually very steep that hill is. The cameras don't give it justice. Yeah, you get a tiny sense of it on this TV show, but I'm, it's never the same as seeing it in real life. Yeah. So we could get her on the pod to tell us about it, but the problem is, I'm fairly certain she was maggot drunk and uh, has no real recollection of what <laughs> happened. I think alcohol plays a very big part in that day. The oh, yeah. girl Flo, who's kind of the star of the episode, she said. I think Tessa was the first time she won it. She'd been partying all night with friends, hadn't slept. Yeah. Turned up to watch and then at the last minute went, oh, bugger it, I'm going to run. And, <laughs> and competed and won. So that's how you do it. You've got to be very hungover. I remember a few years ago the Melbourne Comedy Festival put on these shows for kids at Fed Square and all you just see stand-ups trying to entertain primary school age kids from like two to 12 and you're just doing anything and no one was really doing well and then i got up and i was really hung over and i did okay i remember the promoter went okay maybe that's the secret everyone drink a lot of beers tonight and then we'll see how we go tomorrow (laughs) one of my favorite bits of the episode is that that guy who's won like you know 22 um cheese rolling events or whatever yeah wasn't competing this um in the show in the year that oh, yeah. was doing it because his wife <laughs> booked a holiday a family holiday at exactly the same time as the cheese rolling uh, and she was like i didn't know that it was the right time and then his dad and him were like she knew she's over it she's going you're not running anymore he's in his 30s 
She's got three or four little kids. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I've had it. I've had an absolute gutful of you throwing yourself down the hill because it's yeah it's totally brutal also I just love that like that is your favorite idea of just like what minor competition you might be able to win and be a, to- a total champion in it's just could we start a, a Melbourne one uh, you know one here in in Victoria what if we got a like we find a big hill somewhere in Melbourne which is hard it's a pretty flat city yeah and we th- and we roll a sausage down and we call it the sausage roll oh Right. Um, is there, I'm trying to think of where a good hill is. Yeah. ACDC could perform and they could do the joke lyric of it's a long way to the shop for a sausage roll. Oh, oh this well, is. There we go. Uh, this, See, this, event, this event's really building itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they don't come to us with more ideas. If anyone can suggest a good hill around Melbourne, please. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Clifton Hill, there is no hill, by the way. Yeah. It should be like Clifton slight embankment, slight roll, slight elevation. Uh, yeah, no, it's like well, deer, in Deer Park there are no deers, so. Barely oh. <laughs> a park. Rolls, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and the second episode, Tess, about the chili eating, I have watched that one as well, and the, my favourite character in that is the guy who grows the chilies. Oh, great. And he's got this secret recipe uh, and he's been breeding these chilies for years in the south, in the States. He might be in, he's in Alabama or something, this guy. And he's a pretty interesting cat. But the chilies that they eat are, you know how they have the, the, the measurement system? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's like, like plastics a standard, or something. Yeah, standard chili is about 300. Or yeah. 300. Might be three thousand, right? Standard chili. He's made chilies that are one point five million on that scale. Oh my god! Yeah. So you get these people who are like chili legends from around the world all come together, and it's pretty funny watching them all uh, compete. But anyway, I won't give anything away because hey, uh, all right, I don't. So want is to it? Know. We, we are the champions. We are the on champions Netflix. on Netflix. All right, we'll all watch together. Very they came to play army. <laughs> um. Hey, can I just can I just tell you? I just had the funniest update came through on my phone. It goes, you know how for years the expression "f off, we're full" has normally been a fairly had racist connotations. <laughs> connotations, <laughs> outwardly racist, just outrightly, uh, which people yell at, you know, poor asylum seekers or refugees or whatever. Anyway, now. This headline says uh, Byron Bay is saying "fuck off, we're full" to all these Hollywood people trying to relocate to Byron. Bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could. I'll, I'll base. I think we should base all Hollywood actor immigration based on quality of films. So, if we get someone like uh, I don't know, uh, a, a Stanley Tucci or Kenneth Branagh coming in, of course, welcome, welcome, gentlemen. What about Ashton you? Kutcher? Sorry, mate, you. Get back to get back to COVID land. Uh, so, all right. Then, well, then, what about? Well, Zach Efron is in the crosshairs here. What do you think about him? Uh, he's a bit young for me to have seen any of his films. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow Zach. You'll allow Zach Efron. Okay. Uh, who else have we got? Who's the? Oh, some starlet is trying to move in there. 
Starlet Johansson? Are you are you that out of touch? No, nah, no, no, not Scarlet. Starlet. Starlet. Um, I'm trying to find the name here anyway. I can't. This is why Lemo wasn't very good at hosting Jeopardy because he just always gave vague descriptions yeah. of questions. <laughs> Uh, what's the capital of that country that um, has the oh, thing? The uh, thing. <laughs> what is Belarus? Yes. Oh, no, that's, that's, the, that's the country, not the capital. Damn it. Well, uh, so, um, uh, so get on to that series. Uh, it is, it is a that. new test. You're not a million miles behind the eight ball. Okay, good, because it's, it's always hard for me to tell. I could be saying things like because I only saw West Wing like two years ago or something like that. You know, it's always very difficult for me to tell and I've never seen The Sopranos. So if if I begin to talk about The Sopranos, you should probably nip that in the bud before I carry on. No, no, I'll I'll happily talk (laughs) Sopranos. Good show. I mean, I know, but how long is the statute of limitations on like things that other people have already said? Yeah, (laughs) to be fair, Tess, I got into The Sopranos in 2007 and was mocked mercilessly. (laughs) <laughs> it's too far gone. It's too yeah. far gone. If you guys could uh, not spoil the end of different strokes for me, that would be very handy. Yeah. I actually can't remember what happened at the end of what did happen at the end of different strokes. Oh, I, I, yeah, and I, I think it just got cancelled. I don't know if it had a final episode. I, I love the final episode of things yeah. of like what's what's done well, what's done badly. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the the old time one that doesn't work anymore was Roseanne. Because uh, that they brought that back, um, but the final episode from when they did it in the nineties was uh, the whole series was a was a dream because John Goodman's character had died of a heart attack early on in their marriage, and the whole thing was her imagining what the family would have been like. It was so depressing. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, that is depressing. Nothing worse than a dream sequence. I think yeah. us invent a dream sequence to bring a character back. Uh, I oh I probably can't say this on air, but uh, I'm yeah all right. Uh, <laughs> in a month, I'll reveal uh, friend, a friend of the show who is uh, uh, playing a ghost on TV very soon. A ghost of a dead character. Oh right, interesting. Okay, yeah. oh. friend of the show. All right, this is all very curious. I'm sure they've yeah. broken a non-disclosure agreement by telling. Yeah, you possibly. Yeah, I don't want to get he don't, or she in trouble. Don't t- don't tell us any more. Um, now, uh, Danny McGinley, what have you been up to this week? What's got your attention? What have I been up to? I've been watching the, uh, the, the, the soccer is really the only thing that's going on. Uh, my team Celtic are absolutely terrible at the moment. Uh, keep dropping points. I'll give a bit of a banner update. Um, so, uh, Celtics manager Neil Lennon, uh, he's, he's, there's a lot of calls for his head because we're about, we're about four games behind Rangers. Yeah. And uh, my theory as to why he's not doing that well is, uh, look, Neil Lennon is not the best tactically, but he is the single best man manager. He can get guys to fire up. He's right. so good at inspiring the players. But without the crowds... It just doesn't work. Ah, so without yeah, the passion right. there, yeah. he's insipid. So we've lost. We haven't won a game in like uh, nine matches or something. It's gone pretty badly. And the fans made a banner uh, and they had to just take it to Celtic Park and put it outside because they can't bring it to the match. And it was it was great artwork. It was a Zoom meeting with, uh, with Neil Lennon, the uh, CEO of the club, Dermot Desmond, uh, Peter Lawl, who's like the chairman, I may have their roles mixed up. And then the other window, uh, it's the name was Celtic Supporters and it had the uh, Lost Connection sign. <laughs> 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 
It's good, good at banner work, and especially considering you can't bring it to a game. So congrats to them. But um, last night, I uh, well, this morning, I watched the Arsenal v Tottenham match. Traditional rivals, big yes. the North London derby. And you guys, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to do the the history of the rivalry. Here we go. Now you know we all love rivals well, here on They Came to Play. Should we, should we tell you test what's everything you know about the Tottenham Arsenal rivalry? That Danny is going to tell us about it. <laughs> really? You, d- you know nothing about know. it? You didn't know they hated each other? No, I knew nothing about it. Okay. Um, Leaves, what do you know? Yeah, well, I know they hate each other. And they're both North London. They're yes. the sort of, of all the Premier League teams in London, they're the closest neighbours. Yep. Um, and that's that's really it. I don't get the, the background to it, so... Well, Limo, I'm afraid you have nailed it. That is really it. It is just oh, geographical really? convenience. So, <laughs> okay. Tottenham, uh, yeah, is is North London. Arsenal were actually called uh, Woolwich Arsenal, which is where the gunnery um, munitions factory actually was. Woolwich is South London. And then they moved their ground to near Tottenham's and that really annoyed Tottenham. And the rage has bubbled away ever yeah. since. <laughs> okay. And hilariously, both clubs say to each other, "You're not even from North London," because you know Tottenham obviously say it, obviously say it to Arsenal because they are from South London. But Arsenal fans retort by going, "You know, back in those days, because it was like 1902 when it happened, yeah. um, Tottenham was technically part of Middlesex." So <laughs> neither of them are from there. They're just two fleas fighting over a dog. Um, there, there was a bit of dodginess with. Um, uh, when they expanded the league in 1920, Arsenal got in because their uh, chairman did some dodgy dealings. But really, on the scale of of good, passionate rivalries, the passion is there, but the history is not. There's uh, it's, uh, it's a bit of a bizarre. It's disappointing, isn't it? Because, you know, you look at a uh, – well, there's so many great rivalries in the uh, AFL. I mean, the yeah. Carlton-Collingwood Carlton rivalry, some of those great stories from the early 1900s, and um, Tottenham Arsenal just bloody nothing. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, Arsenal signed Tottenham's captain, uh, Sol Campbell, and that yeah. enraged them. And oh, and uh, like so, Arsenal have won the league at White Hart Lane, Tottenham's home ground, twice, which oh. is you know that that's kind of fun. Um, Jeff Green, comedian, friend of the show. I don't know yeah. if we've ever had him on, but uh, he's a good bloke. He's a big Spurs fan, and I texted him last night in research. Said, "What's the worst thing?" Arsenal fans have ever done to you and he said I lived behind Highbury for a few years including in their invincible season where they didn't lose a single game and he could just hear the cheer every time Arsenal got goals so he knew how bad he said it ruined every Saturday and then when they won the league they partied in the street all night he was getting back from a gig out of town and they blocked the roads and it added three extra hours to his commute (laughs) yeah that's annoying that is really annoying. Personally attacked by the rivalry. Yeah, and I, I asked another mate, a uh, guy who uh, who's an Arsenal fan, and he's been to White Hart Lane, and I said, what's the worst thing Spurs fans have ever done to you? And he goes, yeah, they threw bottles at us. I went, oh, okay, oh. yeah, all right, that's actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's, that, that definitely qualifies. Standard procedure, though, attending an away yeah. game in the English Premier League. But last night uh, they played each other. Fans were allowed in, 2,000 fans. Um, and hilariously, you could only buy beer if you bought food. And the only food available, according to The Guardian, were full massive pizzas. So apparently 
of the 2,000 fans, strangers had to like go halves on a pizza just so they could buy a beer. Oh, my God. Which is, are all these things in place for COVID purposes? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, let's have a look. I've got Weldo Meter up here. Let's check the COVID numbers. New cases, UK. Yesterday, 17,272. Hey, let's let in. You're doing fine, guys. Yeah, and 2,000 of those got it from sharing pizzas with strangers that they were. <laughs> Honestly, what is your plan? I know. If, they- if you're from Adelaide, that would make you shiver because it, it was the Woodville Pizza Bar. <laughs> the most recent lockdown. <laughs> and apparently it, it also, I read some, a few fans uh, tweeting about, um, apparently it's very hard to sing with a mask on. Oh, God. oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But um, great win by Spurs won last night. Um, seriously, have a look at the, the first goal uh, scored by Kinsong, uh, South Korean player. It is an absolute belter. It's brilliant. Um, is there any? Oh, um, Tess, you might be interested. Uh, Tottenham are called Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham is the area, but Hotspur is a reference to Henry Percy, an English knight in the 14th century. Mm. He fought against the Scottish who nicknamed him Harry Hotspur because he fought like he had spurs on his feet. And oh. he would put, oh no, actually, no, he would put spurs on his carrier bird, carrier pigeons. So if it was intercepted, the person who intercepted would get stabbed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's why their logo is a cockerel uh, with spurs on its feet, oh. which is apparently also used in cockfighting. So there we go. Wow. There we go. That's good stuff. That's good. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, and while we're in England, um, Millwall, who are the worst fans in yeah. possibly the world. They are proper. Have you heard of them, Tess? No. <laughs> These are yeah. the mega racists. They are oh, so no. white supremacist proud. Um, in the games where, in, in in all English football games, players are taking a knee at the start, and they were booed loudly oh at the Millwall home ground. Oh, the fans yeah. booed the players. Yes. Yeah. And um, which, of course, has now been embraced by right wing media as an example of. The world's over, you know, yeah. this. Oh, um, the world, this one team. <laughs> the world's over, you know, Black Lives Matter business and everything else. And uh, without contextualising it by reminding us that um, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, sorry, Millwall fans have got a pretty reasonable track record in this area. Yeah. yeah. Well, they say they, they were booing because... signalling well, nonsense, they're calling it. Wow. Well, they're saying it's Marxism. Black Lives Matter is Marxism. And, you know, Millwall fans have always been anti-Marxist, the way that they've abused Marxist players and thrown bananas at Marxist <laughs> players <laughs> and beaten up black players. Oh, sorry, Marxist players. <laughs> Stole that from a tweet, by the way. Oh, that's not my gear. <laughs> I went and lived. I lived in London for three years, and I arrived in February 1995. The day after I arrived, I arrived on a Saturday. On the Sunday, Chelsea played Millwall in a cup tie at um, Stamford Bridge, and there was a pitch invasion by Millwall fans, which had to be broken up by police. And then there was rioting in the streets, and cars were overturned and set on fire. Oh. And I was living just up the road and I thought, oh, this is not the London I was expecting when I arrived here yesterday. Um, wow. Yeah, they were pretty loose. And Chelsea, Millwall have had um, the rivalry between those groups of fans is pretty full on. 
Yeah, I, they're, they're both very competitive over who's more racist. Quick question. Are these rivalries, similarly to most um, team rivalries, much more fan-driven than player-driven or do the players feel it too? I think, I think they're largely fan-driven these yeah. days. I these really days, don't think yeah. these rivalries are player-driven at all. No. Oh, they were back in like the 1920s and stuff when yeah. you did feel that, you know, this team moving their home ground to near yours, it's like, all right, well, let's get into them. Bugger off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's true. Um, but of course, oh, another fun fact, uh, during World War II, um, <laughs> Arsenal, uh, their home ground was taken over by the army. So uh, Tottenham allowed them to play their home games at White Hart Lane. So really... I think it might be fan-driven, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, that's nice. Hey, I got to cover fun football facts yesterday, which I may – I re-listened to a podcast, so I may have shared these with you before. Um, do you know who owned the first ever pair of football boots? Oh. oh. Uh, so it's in – I'll give you a clue. It's in England. and Queen it Victoria. A, it was a History of Soccer podcast. Okay. And this a major figure in English history had them especially made out of Italian leather and he owned what's regarded, considered to be the first ever pair of football boots. It was uh, King Henry VIII. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Um, Look at that. And then he had the shoes executed. And then he had the shoes. He had them beheaded, actually. He wanted to marry the next pair of shoes. And the other, the other fun fact is soccer became – you know, really popular in the 1800s. And there's a few reasons for that, you know, sort of uh, you know, people being more mobile, people having more money, industrial revolution, blah, blah, having blah. Having time off. The eight-hour work week contributed to well, uh, eight-hour work day. Which, Danny, led to the invention of the weekend. Now, there we I go, thought, yeah. I thought the weekend was just a thing that had happened forever. But Saturday and Sunday were just work days. Well, not Sunday. Sunday was the Lord's Day. Well, Sunday but... was the Lord's Day. But Saturday and Sunday were became became regarded as the weekend only in the late 1800s. Yep. So that meant that people had Saturday afternoon off to go and watch or play soccer. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, I mean, if you read the history of AFL um, clubs, a lot of them say the same thing. This is why it's. This is why they're all. You see them formed around. I mean, the dogs are eighteen eighty three. Collingwood are eighteen ninety two. It's all. It's all around that time. It all coincides with the weekend. The, yeah. the what I like to call the invention of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and while we're on soccer, uh, Sam Kerr scored a hat trick for the Chelsea overnight. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. That's that's the that's the good news, Tess. Uh, the bad news is, while celebrating her third goal, she ran into a West Ham defender and injured her hip. And no. Had to, go, had to go off for the rest of the game. Oh, my All God. Say is, I'm glad she injured herself running into an opposition player and not doing a somersault because that would be the ultimate shame. Oh, it would be so bad. In a somersault celebration. It would be terrible. I, don't, I think she's, like, uh, immune to somersault injuries. That's my theory, my working theory. She could go in the cheese rollers. Actually, she could. She could oh, she could do anything down though. the hill. Yeah, that's true. She could do anything. Oh, well, hopefully, <laughs> it's a minor hip injury. <laughs> She's back next week. All right, one final thing before we uh, wrap up, guys. We want to give it, we asked for uh, our overseas listeners, and uh, we want to give a shout out to Alex, who uh, <laughs> is the, in rural northern Japan. 
right. where he flies a, a Collingwood flag from his house uh, for the benefit of locals. And he also one of the founding fathers of the Lao Elephants Australian Football Club. So, right. yeah, that go Elephants. Awesome. Go Elephants. Is it the Lao Elephant? No, no, it wasn't Lao. It was Vietnam, wasn't it, where um, Liver played a game after the premiership, Danny? Yeah, the Vietnam Swans. The Vietnam Swans, right. Although he claims he played for a different club, although I'm fairly certain he, he may have been not focused, <laughs> which is a nice way of saying very drunk. Yeah, right. Um, I think, did Sam Mitchell play a game in Hawaii as well? He did, yeah. Uh, Brian Barris told us that. Yeah, he was just walking past. I think um, Emma Race and I may have spoken to him about this on, um, on Grandstand. Maybe yeah. that's what Scott Morrison went there for. He was just hoping that uh, rugby league team were going to just go, hey, you, Australian, come and play. Come and play and he'd finally get his time and his come timeline. And- um, that's exciting about Alex and I would love to hear from other people too. No wonder. That's- yeah, we want all the overseas people. Tell Good us what on you. you. What are you doing? Tell us what you're doing, what you're up to. Tell us what sport you would like us to talk about. We can we can pluck out any sport from around the globe and uh, and give it some love. So if you've got a special uh, pet sport that you love, can be anything from cheese rolling and chili eating to to the English Premier League. Yeah, uh, tell us and we'll get onto it. So um, all right, well should we should we wrap up our main pod for the week? We've got a Patreon, of course, coming later in the week uh, for our Patreon followers. Um, anything. Uh, to add uh, Tess Armstrong? No, I'll be um, preparing myself for chili eating and chili watching this week and I'll report back again next week and also trying to pick a BBL team, which I think I'm just not going to pick one. That's my plan. Are you surely, are you the Stars or the? No, I was always no? the Renegades, but um, I quite like the Stars team this year, so I'm a bit torn. Also, I've realised I just, because Sheffield Shield has been disintegrated over so many years, you don't necessarily barrack except for, in terms of selection for your own state, I really barrack for the Australian cricket team and then all of those players that I've become attached to are, like, dispersed across the nation. And so, like, I don't really care who wins. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every team has a player. Oh. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like you, nah. too. As long as cricket's the winner, that's all I care <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't disagree more after the year Victoria's had. Screw all the other states. Just the big V. <laughs> uh, okay. big patriotic to the end. Uh, yeah. Well, there you have it. It's all about the big V for Danny. It's all about Australia for Tess Armstrong. And uh, I'm just barracking for cricket, guys. <laughs> all I'm barracking for. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in once again. If you enjoyed uh, this podcast, please give us a rating and um, and uh, tell a friend about it as well. Have yourselves a wonderful week and we'll be back for our Patreons later in the week. And for the rest of you, Uh, this time next week. Thank you all.